Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. The Bible reading for today, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. John chapter 1 verses 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's great. Ooh. I hope you've got I hope you've got your oh, there we go. I hope you've got your chocolate bar, my one of my favourite chocolate bars. Um, it looks like there might be some left over. So, ladies, if you're if you're on the lookout, maybe you'll you'll get a look in um, at some point during this 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 day. Um, but it's a real privilege for us to have the perfect dad here. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. To have Chris Kilby to come and talk about the perfect dad. Um, Chris is a good friend of Westminster Chapel. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend of a number of people in the church. Um, he uh, has preached here before in the past, uh, back when the church was being led by Greg Haslam. Um, and he's planted a church in Southampton, which is now flourishing with many sites. Um, and he's an author. He's written an excellent book um, called Equipped. I encourage you to check, check that out as well. He's part of the UK leadership team for Commission, which is the family of churches that we're a part of. He's just wonderfully gifted at helping us draw closer to know God and to love him. And you'll see that in some of the stories that he's going to share uh, with you today. So I just invite you just to give him a really warm welcome as he comes up to share with us. This one's on. Hurrah. Lovely to be with you, and it's a real joy to be able to be with you on Father's Day. I've come up from Southampton this morning, uh, you know, the home of all the cruise liners, uh, the launch place of the Titanic. That didn't go too well. Um, in fact, in the Lonely Planet Guide for Southampton, it said something like, Southampton, a great place to stop off on your way to somewhere nice. <laughs> it's a bit harsh, I thought. I haven't always been in Southampton. Um, I, I actually spent my formative years in Norfolk on the East Coast, and uh, this is a genuine conversation I overheard at a bar in, in Norfolk. And there were two guys sat there, and one turned to the other and said, you know John? He said, what, John with the hat? He said, yeah, John with the hat. He said to me the other day, he went to London, but I don't believe it. That's a genuine conversation I overheard in a bar in Norfolk. 
Um, so anyway, lovely to be with you, especially on Father's Day. I've ab absolutely loved being a dad. I've loved being a granddad, and it's one of my greatest joys. I've had the privilege of being a dad in several different ways. So for my first two children, I've been a birth dad. Uh, they're now grown up. One of them's a, a, a counter-terror police officer. The other one's a baker. So I always say I've got one that chases baddies and one that bakes goodies. And uh, that, they, they, she keeps me fed. In fact, when she saw this on social media, the perfect dad, Chris Kilby, she actually laughed out loud. So it's good to know I've got her encouragement today. Um, to my youngest two, um, who are also now adults, I've been their adoptive dad. We had adopted them when they were just two and four. They'd had quite a traumatic early childhood. And uh, they came and joined us. And they're now young men making a go of life. Again, they're very different. One of them's got autism. One of them's got ADD. So one of them never speaks and one of them never shuts up. So I've got the real mix in my family, as you can imagine. Uh, I'm also now grandfather to two lovely girls. Uh, Eliza and Ottilie, who are my absolute delight. I love spending time with them. And then I guess as a Christian leader, I've been a spiritual father to people as well. I have people who have come to faith in Jesus through relationship with my family. And, and so they kind of, they, they sometimes call me dad as well. Uh, and that's one of the joys actually is, is, is fathering those who fatherhood has been a tough thing for. And to see the way God has fathered me has been a, an incredible thing. Because when I, I, when I first became a Christian, the way God introduced himself to me was as a father. The day I prayed and I, I repented of my past and I put my trust in him, I was actually in London on that day. And uh, I was on an underground train somewhere underneath central London. And I just said, God, if you're real, I've done so much to offend you. But if I can be forgiven and know you, I want to know you. And God completely transformed me in that moment. And I felt his love come upon me. And I, I heard his voice, not like a shouty, I just knew it was him. And he said four words to me that I've never, ever forgotten. He said to me, you are my son. And it's, I suddenly realized that he'd answered my prayer in a deeper way than I ever really appreciated because see for me as a young man growing up uh, my father had walked out when I was seven years old and although I didn't know it at the time didn't probably appreciate it, it that affected me a lot more than I appreciated and so when God revealed himself to me as a, as a father it was meeting a really deep need and uh, and fathers they can bring up all sorts of emotions for us can't it um, I think of him uh, we also last year lost my stepfather to COVID. Um, he was fit and well, uh, had a fall, ended up in hospital, and it was going to hospital that, that finished him off age 90. Um, but he was a, a good stepfather as well. But Father's Day can raise all sorts of emotions for us, for many of us, can't it? But the reality is, earthly fatherhood always falls slightly short of the best. We can do our best, we can try our best, we can make every effort to be great dads and to receive good fathering, but all of it falls short of the one true father. And uh, today is about coming to know him. It may be that you've never yourself known God 
as a perfect dad. I remember my youngest son coming up to me once when he was drawing a picture. I said, what are you drawing a picture of? And he said, God. I thought, wow. And it reminded me of somebody else who the same thing had happened to him in Sunday school, drawn a picture of God, taking it back to his dad. And uh, they said, he said, I've drawn a picture of God. And he said, oh, don't be silly, son. Nobody knows what God looks like. And he says, well, they will when I've shown them my picture. <laughs> you know, as fathers, it's our <laughs> strange privilege to somehow show others what God is like. That's a bit daunting, isn't it? Somehow, when people look at fathers in a church, fathers in a family, they should catch a glimpse of the nature and character of this perfect dad. But we fall short. We all fall short. I'm not the perfect dad. I know I'm not the perfect dad. Uh, The only reason I don't make the same mistakes that my dad made is because I'm busy making new ones. So none of us are perfect. And we can can battle through, can't we? I uh, seem to recall spending the whole first of my parenting years teaching my children to walk and to talk. And now I just want them to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) You know, we constantly compromise. We constantly fall short. And I think sometimes we can get lost in our roles as, as parents, mothers and fathers. And we can forget what it's all about. And I think our children, <laughs> I think we forget sometimes that we're human. And for me, I know that there have been times when my children just need me. They just need that contact. And often, we're busy, aren't we? Especially these days, I, I was watching a family on the train on the way up here today. They had a nine-year-old son who was desperately trying to interact with his mum and his dad. And the whole journey, they were just sat on their phones like this. And I just thought, you're missing this moment. You're missing this moment. And it flies by so quickly. It just flies by so quickly. It is two minutes ago, I was in the hospital room seeing my wife give birth to our first son. And now he's got children of his own. And it just flies by. It absolutely flies by. But we are celebrating today. We're celebrating family. We're celebrating fatherhood. And it's a good thing to celebrate. And I want us to draw back the curtain a little bit and see the wonderful truth that when somebody becomes a Christian, like some of you will have already become Christians, when that happens to you, some incredible things happen. Because you get brought into a unique family. And there's nothing quite like it on earth. So I've, I've, I've explained to you that my father was absent when I was growing up. And, and, and I guess I was uh, a young man packed off to boarding school. I wanted to go because it's, it was great fun. It was more like a holiday camp, really, for me. Uh, I mean, there were lessons that interrupted it every now and again. But, you know, there was lots of rugby. There was swimming. There were girls everywhere. It was just like boy heaven. And... Uh, <laughs> But I think the thing is with boarding school, it gives you a little bit more independence than you've got maturity sometimes. Uh, and so I ended up making a whole load of wrong decisions. Um, I got involved with kind of the music scene and the drinking scene and the drug scene. 
And before I knew it, I was kind of caught up in a lifestyle that was just really unhealthy. And I just thought, I've, here's what I honestly thought. My friends are dragging me down. I could do so much better than this. So I actually left the country. I ran away and moved over to Scandinavia, lived in Denmark for a little while. I went on a promise, really. There was a girl who said, why don't you come and move in? And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just it'd be lovely. Life will be great. And I was there for one week, and she dumped me. I was like, oh, thanks very much. So I'm now in a strange country where I don't speak the language, I don't have any family, I don't have a job, and now you've gone as well. I was like, okay. Mm. And uh, I, I stayed there for 18 months, two years or so, working, but, but I still didn't seem to break out of this lifestyle of, of kind of, I was playing in some of the jazz clubs and then drinking heavily and taking drugs. And again, I thought, this is dragging me down. I'm, I can do better than this. And so I thought, I know what I need to do. I need to get my head into a career. So somebody had once said, Chris, if you don't go into music or drama or something else, you'd be a great teacher. Because I used to take kids on holiday camps, you see, and my mother was a teacher. So I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. So I came back to the UK and I looked at some prospectuses of universities that would take me with my very poor A-level grades. And uh, I, 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 looked, I opened one up and it said Winchester. I thought, Winchester? Winchester. That sounds nice. I'll go there. And that was the sole reason for me choosing to go to university to do my degree in Winchester. I liked the sound of the word. And uh, I ended up there for four years, did my teaching degree, and still was basically doing all the same things I'd been doing when I was over in Denmark, still doing all the things that I was doing when I was in my teenage years, still getting to the end of the day thinking... This is dragging me down. There has to be more to life than this. Now, right at the end of my university days, a couple of my friends became Christians, and I thought they'd gone balmy. Honestly, I thought they'd gone completely mad and got involved with a cult. They were going to a church. It didn't look like a church. Where's the bell? Where's the vicar? And I was worried, so I asked around my friendship group. I said, does anybody know anyone who's a proper Christian, who goes to church and who reads the Bible. And a friend of a friend of a friend knew somebody who went to church. And they introduced me. And they helped me to see Jesus in the Bible. And they tried to explain to me how important the message that he brought was and what a good father God was. And to cut a long story short, six months of arguing with this young lady, eventually she got me into a church and I responded to the message of the gospel. It was on the underground train that afternoon that I became a Christian and that God became my father. And thankfully, she became my wife as well, which was a good deal. I got, I got so many good things in this, in this bargain. Honestly, I am just the recipient of the most ridiculous grace. I can't understand it. But you see, when we become a Christian, when we join God's family, some incredible things change. God makes us his. I just want you to understand the, the, the weight of that. God brings us into his family and gives us all the rights that a natural child would have. So the Apostle Paul put it like this. We heard from the, when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. For he chose us in him. 
before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Hear some of those words, chose. When you choose something, there's a value added, isn't there? And he predestined us, adopted us. God did this out of love. Love for you. Love for me. It was a gift. It was a gift of grace that you and I could never have earned. We could never have worked our way into God's family. Remember I mentioned that my youngest two sons were adopted into our family. You know, we chose them. We chose them. I've heard somebody put it like this, that that our first two came out of my wife's womb, but the, the second two came out of our heart. You understand, we chose them. We had a choice. We could have said no. In fact, we very nearly did. I was so nervous. My wife and I were so nervous. We'd heard the, the horror stories of their first years of early childhood, the level of neglect, the level of abuse that they'd suffered. And we honestly, hand on heart, thought, can we do this? Can we cope? And I said to the social worker at the time, I'm not sure we can do this unless I've met them. I hadn't even met them, seen a photograph. That was all, and read a medical record. And so the social worker organized a a play center to have us come in and pretend to be play workers, and the, the boys would turn up, and we'd spend an hour playing with them, and then at the end of that, we had to make a decision. So we played for an hour, and I was even more concerned than I was before we went in. I thought... I'm not sure, I'm not sure. That, how do we... How, oh. You know, they seem really damaged by their past. Are we going to be able to put that right? Are we going to be able to do anything about that? And uh, after the hour had gone, we came out and we sat in the car park. And the social worker turned to my wife and I and said, well, it's decision time. And then my wife looked at me and said... Uh, This is where headship kicks in. (laughs) No, what she actually said was, you make the call, and whatever call you make, I'm with you 100%. And we chose. We chose them. We chose to welcome them in. I sold my nice new Volvo and bought a really old Volvo estate still hurts to this day. (laughs) But you see, we wanted them to know that thing of being chosen, being brought in, having all the same rights and privileges that my eldest two would have, learning how to be part of a family. So we we even gave them a new middle name, and it was my my name. So each of them has got my name, Chris, in the middle of their name, just so that they know they belong. They know they're wanted. They know they're chosen. See, for those of you that have already become Christians today, you understand the level of God's love for you. He chose you. He chose you. It's not accident. It's not chance. He chose you. That's a hugely significant thing. 
You know, John mentions our spiritual adoption as well in the beginning of his gospel. He says this in John chapter 1. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And you see this privilege of adoption, you see it quite a few times coming through in John's gospel. And it's largely because of the ingrained thinking pattern of his Jewish readers. You imagine the scene, the Jewish people had always thought of themselves as being chosen, the people of God. There was something unique about Israel. There was something unique that they had of always being God's chosen people. But now, because of Jesus and because of the cross, there's now a way for those who were not part of the Jewish race to be brought in and to be adopted in and to be grafted in to God's family. It was a whole new promise. Anybody who receives Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior gets welcomed into the family, gets adopted in. Even today, even in Westminster Chapel. Do we get that? You can be adopted in today. You can know God as a father today. You see, the reality is the world around us is a hostile place. For my boys, before they were adopted, it was hugely hostile. They were in physical danger, psychological and emotional peril. But the minute they were adopted in, they found peace and security. The day I became a son and God became my father, I was adopted in and the peace and security that flooded into my life in that moment changed everything. And I want you to understand today that when we're outside the peace and protection of the family of God and God as a father, we are alone in the world and we can function out of a sense of orphanhood. And you can see it every single place that you go and every life that you rub up alongside, no matter how young or how old. The child in the playground who's searching for friends and popularity has a deep need to be liked. And it's an orphan spirit. Will you be my friend? It's an orphan spirit. The teenager who's searching for approval and for acceptance is functioning out of a, an orphan spirit and the need to be loved. Am I attractive? Am I good enough? Will anybody love me? A thousand Instagram posts shout it out every day. Am I right? And for the adults who are seeking the need for significance and finance and, and, and gadgets and stuff just to prove that we're somehow we've made it is all the outworking of an orphan spirit that says, I need to be successful. I need to be noticed. I need to be important. And it's all orphan behavior. You see, when God became my father and I became his son, those orphan vulnerabilities went. 
They just went because I didn't need to be popular. <laughs> I didn't care if I was popular because I had a father that loved me unconditionally. I didn't need to be loved by anybody because every re relationship that I had became a, 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 a pale reflection of the relationship that I now had with God as a father. Now, I'm not saying that you don't want relationship, but the driving need had gone. You understand the difference? See, if you put the pressure onto somebody that they've got to somehow meet your emotional needs as a wife, husband, partner, and replace something that God should be providing, that's too high expectation. Satisfaction comes from one relationship and one relationship alone. I didn't need acceptance or approval or to be a success because in God's sight, according to Psalm 139, I was his masterpiece. I like that. God's masterpiece. You see, for those of you that are yet to become Christians... I wonder if as you look back over your life, you can begin to identify the moments when you've acted out of an orphan spirit. The moments when your overriding need has been for approval, significance, importance, popularity. It's a fruitless endeavor. I have a friend who constantly bases her level of peace on how many friends she has. And you know what friends are like. They fluctuate. If, if she feels like she's been let down by friends, her life crumbles. If she feels she's got friends around her, she's on cloud nine. You see, when we misappropriate and put the need for relationship in the wrong direction, it's always going to fall short. That's why it's important to become a Christian. Because when you become a Christian, you no longer operate out of that orphan spirit anymore. And you find the deep peace that you were longing for all along. Very briefly, there are three massive privileges that come to us when we become a Christian. I've mentioned one of them. God becomes our Father. God becomes our Father. Do you know, this is how Jesus instructed us to relate to God. He said, you can come to him, our Father. You can call him Abba, Father. That's the word Jesus used in Aramaic. Mother would have been called Imma. Father would have been called Abba. And it's a term of, it's not quite daddy. It's, 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 it, there's a more reverence and awe to it than that. It's almost like dear dad. It's got affection in it, but it's also got a sense of wow to it. And that's how you and I can approach God as father. Do you know, I remember one of the favorite, my favorite moments when our kids were young was the moment I got home from work. Because I would get home from work and I would put the key in the lock and I would turn the door and within seconds you could hear footsteps running. Dad's home! And like they charge at me and they bundle me over, jump on top of me. Now it's the grandchildren that do it. Do you understand? 
This is how we relate to God. We run. We jump. We celebrate. Because that's hope. When you become a Christian, you come into that presence. You come into that relationship. You come into the arms of one who is dependable and solid and beautiful. You know, my dad didn't give me a great example of what it is to be a dad, but I've got a perfect one. Genuinely got a perfect one. One who never lets me down. One who never leaves or forsakes. One who always accepts. One who, no matter how bad the day has been, I can run into and find my peace and security in him. And you know, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Paul tells us, testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Romans 12, isn't it? The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So if you are already a Christian, but you think, actually, I don't feel like one. I don't feel like I'm accepted. I don't feel like I function as a son or a daughter. I feel like I still operate out of that orphan spirit. Maybe what you need today is to be filled again with the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit in us that testifies and says, do you know who you are? You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. So maybe that's your need today. If you're already a Christian, maybe you just need that reminder to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit so your spirit lines up with what's true about you. That you really are his. And he really did choose you. And guess what? He actually quite likes you. And he wants you. And when you run into his arms, his chest puffs up. And I'm being a bit anthropomorphic. I, 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 I can't say it now. You know, God doesn't have a chesty spirit. But you understand the emotion of it. He's proud of you. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you, you are, you are your own critic. And God wants you to know again today. I'm just going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, just come. For those, Lord, who exclude themselves when you include them. For those, Lord, who put themselves down when you build them up. For those, Lord, who feel shame when you feel pride. Lord, won't you come and just fill them again with your Holy Spirit and remind them of the truth that they are chosen and that you are a loving father and that you want them. You want them. Be filled again. God is your father. He wants you to run into his arms. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now just the second privilege when we become a Christian, not only does God become our father, Jesus becomes our brother. I think that's like, wow, I have got the coolest brother. I, I really genuinely, it's so funny. You know, when I was growing up, I had three older brothers. And when I became a Christian, my, uh, my eldest brother said to me, oh, great, Chris has got religion. And I just said to him, no, Dave, I haven't got religion. I've got a father. I've got a relationship. I've got a relationship. But I've also got another brother. He was a bit put out by that. You've already got three. You don't need another one. 
Hebrews 2 tells us that Jesus becomes our brother. Let me just read it for a second. Hebrews 2, verse 11 and 12. Both the one who makes men holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, those of you that become Christians, are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises, quoting from Psalm 22 there. So Jesus becomes our brother. If one privilege of his spiritual adoption is that God becomes our father, the second great privilege is that Jesus becomes our brother. Do you know, when we first adopted our two boys, the thing that they most needed, actually, was a brother and a sister. They needed to know how to do family. They needed to know it was okay to fall and to fail and you still get up again. They needed to know that you can, you can relax. They needed to know that it's okay to eat and it's okay not to eat. Basic things that people that grow up in a family understand, but when you grow up and you don't know where your next meal is coming from, it doesn't become a natural thing for you. It becomes an obsessive thing for you. So what they needed was a brother and a sister. And you know what? My younger two, even though they're now 22 and 20, still look up to their big brother and their big sister and still phone them for advice and still admire them and still, I mean, my, the, my eldest of my two adopted sons, he graduates next month. He's just got his master's in maths down at Portsmouth University. And the first thing he wanted to do was to invite his big brother to the graduation ceremony because he wanted his big brother to be proud of him. Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our brother. A brother who is proud of you. A brother who is not ashamed of you. A brother that shows you day by day how to live in the family. Some of us need that. Some of us have grown up not with family. You hit the church and you think, wow, this is, there's people. There's younger people and older people. There's different people from all sorts of walks of life. How do I become part of this? Well, Jesus is the big brother who helps us and shows us how to be part of this whole family. Now, those of you that are fairly new Christians, can I, a bit, just a, a little bit of advice. You won't go far wrong if you copy your elder brother. If you dig yourself into the Gospels and see the kind of things that Jesus thought and said and did and build your life on a Holy Spirit-empowered discipleship journey where you seek to become more like him, your elder brother, you won't go far wrong. In fact, let me give you a challenge. There's four seasons in the year. There's four Gospels. Why don't you take one each season for the next year and say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a bit of the Gospel and I'm going to see what Jesus said. I'm going to see what my big brother did and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to do the same. I can tell you, you will grow more like your older brother. And of course, your older brother is the perfect representation of the father. Unflawed, untainted. You know what the destination is for every Christian. One day we will be like him. Yeah? That's the, that's the discipleship process God's got in mind for you. So begin that journey by walking with your big brother. So the first privilege was that God becomes our father. The second privilege is that Jesus becomes our brother. And the third, and I think this is a lovely privilege, is that you, we become part of a family. This family, the family of God. When you look at the 
Paul's teaching in particular, but most of the New Testament teaching, you get this kind of family feel throughout the doctrine. We relate to one another as brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And so I think sometimes people play that down and say, oh, yes, church is a family, church is a family. No, church really is a family. And that really is how we relate to one another because it's not a false family. It's not a group of people that have just been wedged into a room together and now I've got to somehow get along. No, God adopts us and makes us family. It means that those sitting around you today are brothers and sisters, not like brothers and sisters. They are brothers and sisters. And Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, didn't he? He said, some of the older guys, you need to treat them more like fathers. And the older women, you need to treat them more like mothers. And the younger women, you need to treat them like sisters. How does the world treat younger women? Objects. In the church, they're sisters. You see, this is more profound and more beautiful than we really appreciate. And when you become a Christian, God brings you into it. That's the thing. And they're everywhere, particularly in our cities, people lead lives of isolation. We are more divided, more alone than we've ever been. God's solution, let me bring you home. Let me bring you into a family. Let me adopt you. You see, church isn't a meeting. Church isn't a service. Church isn't an institution. It's God's family. It's God's family. So let's honor one another. Maybe today you can take a moment to honor somebody. Somebody who's been a father, a mother, a brother, a sister. Honor one another as family. But you know, God is in the business of adopting every day from everywhere. It's the most amazing thing. Every day, people believe and come to faith in Jesus. And so I just want to take a moment as I finish to help you to take that journey yourself. Because there's no value in hearing about a perfect father or seeing the example of a perfect brother or being told about a family if I don't show you how to enter in. And some of you today, you've realized that you've been functioning out of an orphan heart and you want in. You want family. You want a father. And you can have it. You can have it. Because Jesus made that possible. You see, by our own standards, we could never have become a son of God, a daughter of God. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? You see, we're all excluded. All excluded. None of us would be good enough to be brought into the perfect family. We'd spoil it. So God had to find a way to make us holy so that we could be brought in without tainting his purity with our sin and his chosen method was Jesus Christ who came left the perfection of heaven and came to earth and lived a life that you and I could never have lived and then died the most horrific death why? 
love. Because God's anger at our sin had to be demonstrated. If there's a crime committed, there has to be a punishment. And the punishment should have come to us. But God loved us so much that instead of punishing us, he chose to meet the punishment out on himself. What an act of love. Why? Because he wanted to find a way for you to come home today. He wanted to open the front door of his home and say, come through. I want you in. I want you as mine. I want to be with you. I want you to hear the key in the door and know that that's home. I want you to feel the peace and the security. And that's all possible because of Jesus' death and resurrection. You see, his death proved that he loved you and died in your place. His resurrection proved that death was powerless over him and therefore made a way for you and I all to receive this incredible gift, not just of a secure life, but an eternal life. I mean, it is good news. (laughs) I was thinking about this yesterday. I just thought, crumbs, sometimes we hear the message of the good news of Jesus and we think, that's a no-brainer. I mean, we get to be brought into the family of God. Why would we want to be excluded? Why would we choose isolation? Why would we choose loneliness? Why would we choose orphanhood? Yet we do because our our world kind of somehow boxes us into a shape where we think we have to do it all. And this is one thing we can't do. It's a gift to be received. And I want to urge you to do it today so that you can be welcomed in, so that you can function as a daughter as a son in the way that you were created to. So what I'd love to do is I would love to pray and lead you in a prayer. And this is a prayer that you can pray where you're saying, I recognize that I have lived as an orphan, independent of a father that's been pursuing me. And it's a prayer that really just says, I'm sorry, and I want to know you as a father. I want to be loved by you. I want Jesus to count for me. I want the cross to count for me. I want what my big brother did on that cross to count for me. I want in. And I want to then live a life of security and peace and joy because I'm in, not out. I'm alive, not dead. I'm found, not lost. You see, my waywardness in my teenage years and 20s was because I was lost genuinely just looking around to see where is their hope where is their life where is their adventure where is their fun and the minute God became my father I suddenly realized this is where the adventure is and I've never looked back and honestly I have to pinch myself sometimes when I wake up look God still loves me he's still for me still with me so why don't you pray with me and I'm going to ask you to pray And perhaps the band could come up and then afterwards we'll sing as well. That would be great. So firstly, I want to pray this prayer. And this is for those of you that have maybe never come into a relationship with God yourself. So I'd like you to pray this with me. Just think for a moment how good God is. God, I recognize today that you are better than I'd imagined. That you're not a harsh, finger-wagging, shame, 
bringing father. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.